0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I know, I know Dan is back on the mic. We are here today with a fantastic team from Persistence, Mr. Tushar and then Mr. Mickle. How are you, gentlemen?
1: Doing good, man. How are you?
0: Good, good here as well. Uh, Apart from a little bit of sunburn from a few days, too much in the sun, because I obviously live live here in Berlin, I'm doing absolutely sensational. Absolutely sensational. Uh, How's the start of your year been?
1: I would say it's been a super hectic start of the year. Um, So we, you know, at at Persistence One, we give everyone off uh, in the final week uh, of the year. That's a practice we followed for the past four years. Um, And usually, at least for me, I get supercharged during moments like that. And so I came back roaring into the year, I would say. Um, and, And my objective for the year is to not lose that roar um over the next uh four to six quarters at least uh so that's what i'm gunning for but you know super excited to you know put a lot of things into motion this year and um yeah it's, I, I would say it's been a fun exciting and a busy start
0: nicole basically i think what tushar is saying right there he's about to go on holiday again <laughs> i think i think i'm visiting with bali
2: yeah, Tasha's job is to be on, on holiday and at work at the same time. Uh, he does that very well. Yeah, Always with that energy and a little bit chill, like uh, one day a week and then the next five. And when he's roaring, everybody else in the team has to roar as
0: well, right? Because uh, there's a lot of like momentum that comes from his end, uh, but, but it's fun. So, so basically you've hit like CEO status where literally your day is log on for 20 minutes in the morning and then go play golf for the rest of the afternoon
1: um well i would say there are days that you know that might actually happen um although i'm, I'm not much of a golfer I'd, you know rather you know go cycling in the mountains or um you know or playing tennis um but you know i feel that as ceo um, you're operating on a lot of leverage so you know we have about 30 people in the team and your job as ceo is actually to give strategic direction uh, and extract maximum value for from everyone that's, uh, that's working in the company. Uh, so a lot of the work is actually thinking. Um, and thinking happens best when you're relaxed. Um, so, you know, whether you're in the shower or in the massage table or playing tennis, or actually at your desk or walking or driving, you know, work is happening because you're thinking of complex problems, whether that's from a product perspective, whether that's from a hiring perspective, whether that's from a team engagement perspective, whether that's from a go to market perspective. So I would say, I think the, you know, what people think of work where, you know, they're sitting down, you know, hustling nonstop, I I don't think as you I think get higher up in an organization, um, my if I'm actually sitting at my desk, if I have to sit on my desk nonstop, I'm actually not doing my job well. Um, so that's the kind of philosophy that, you know, that I believe in and I feel that has worked decently well for the organization. Um, my job is to clear things off my plate so that I can think.
0: Okay, okay. here's, here's a fun one if you are a bit of a tennis fan. Who do you think's going to win the Aussie Open? Because I know that started uh, very recently. Yeah. Uh,
1: so I used to be a huge Nadal fan. Um, but uh, um, but I, I I do think Djokovic has a you know has the outsized probability of of winning this one. I think he has a lot of momentum
0: behind him. I've always I've always been fifty fifty. know you're going by Massi We'll get into it. I've always been a I've always been fifty fifty on Djokovic. He's like one of the most phenomenal players. Sometimes he plays to the crowd a little bit too much to become the bad guy, but the thing that I think he's done genius over his whole career is he's always created a narrative. He's always created a story and saying that I feel like he probably should have been endorsed into crypto because his emotions are like a pump and dump roller roller coaster that, you know, they're, they're literally like this, this, this all the time. Um, gentlemen, before I do go deep diving into like the Aussie open and we go and get tickets and we just spend the afternoon watching tennis. Um, how did the pair of you get into crypto? Cause That's always a very unique and interesting story.
1: Yeah. Uh, So for me, um, I've been based out of Singapore uh, for the past 14 years. And um, I was a management consultant to the banking industry in a previous lifetime. And around 2016, so I've always been an investor and around 2016 into different, you know, very passionate about finance. And around 2016, I had a liquidity event and I was looking to allocate that capital um, into something, you know, that would have an outsized return. And I was looking at investing into traditional startups, uh, but happened to come across crypto. Um, So the analogy that um, I got from somebody was, you know, uh, working for a startup or um, investing in a startup, at least in Southeast Asia, it's like climbing a staircase. Uh, but crypto is just, you know, being on an escalator and that kind of analogy stuck in my head. Um, went down the rabbit hole. I started investing, I quit my, uh, management consulting job at the absolute peak of the 2017 cycle. So November, 2017 is when I quit my, uh, day job to get into crypto full time. Um, and, uh, you know, started my career. Uh, of course I'd been investing, started my career as, uh, a podcast host. Uh, as well um so i used to host a podcast called decrypt asia where what i was trying to do was bridge eastern crypto and western crypto so in 2017 um china and korea were major powerhouses when it came to crypto and then of course uh, you know sf silicon valley was a major powerhouse um uh, and the, what what does a powerhouse mean they had their entire ecosystems very self-sufficient ecosystems so fund managers exchanges um hedge fund managers uh, marketers um talent you know all within um you know their countries uh, today of course i think it's primarily dictated by you know silicon valley but of course i think asian crypto is still pretty big so my goal with the podcast was to kind of bridge asian and western crypto um the podcast led to a job opportunity to be the first employee at the crypto arm of a traditional venture capital fund Um, in Singapore. uh, The traditional VC is called Golden Gate Ventures. I was on their crypto. I was the first employee on the crypto fund, you know, did up the website, got the fund incorporated, worked with lawyers, tax advisors, fund administrators, cybersecurity consultants, monetary authority of Singapore Mm -hmm. to set up this, you know, dedicated, structured fund, Um, funded decently well, but I wanted to be on the other side of the fence in terms of being a builder. So in 2019, late 2019, a few months before COVID hit, started Persistence One, um, and uh, have been working on that for the last, um, you know, four years and slightly more. Um, but I'm sure we, we'll, you know, get into that as we as we progress. So it's been a fun journey. I've been on the media side of things, through the podcast, on the fund mm-hmm. management side of things, and also on the building side of things within the industry.
0: Okay, interesting question. Just before we go into your origin story, Mikhail. Um you mentioned you're trying to bridge basically like Asian crypto with like, you know, Western slash SF crypto. We went probably towards the middle of last year or maybe towards the back end. We saw like a big surge of like Asian crypto starting to like, it was, start, it was starting to get its leg up. But now it seems like the media has gone really, really quiet on it. Do you see or where do you see or what do you see as being like a, another big catalyst for Asian crypto really starting to pump?
1: Well, so I I mean, I'm talking more in the context of just ecosystems, right? So what do I, you know, like I said, you know, what do I mean by Western crypto? So, you know, you have big fund managers, um, you know, like A16Z and Electric Capital and and things like that. You have the larger exchanges uh, in the US like, you know, Coinbase. Um, You have, of course, now uh, traditional money managers, you know, coming into crypto um you know whether you know that's through an etf or just you know allocating uh, money into funds uh so i think that is that's what i mean by and of course you have then entrepreneurs and you know marketers and product people mm-hmm. and growth people um you know um in in the us um or in western europe uh, so that's something i would say is what i would call western crypto and when i say asian crypto what I mean is, you know, the ecosystem. So, you know, you have, you know, Binance, although today it's very global, but, you know, I think the roots are still, you know, Asian. Um, you have OKX as a big exchange. You have, you know, with Thumb as, you know, exchanges in Korea. Um, in the past, you had fund managers uh, that were dedicatedly focused on China. Um, I think with the stance that the Chinese government has taken, that's kind of killed off. Uh, some of these funds or these funds have had to, you know, kind of rebrand themselves and go global. Um, um, and, and same for founders, right? So, I mean, a lot of the founders from China, you know, are either no longer in crypto or, you know, have moved to something like a Singapore or Dubai uh, or a Hong Kong uh, to run their startups. So I would say that, you know, I, I, I don't know what the catalyst would be. I think it will just be kind of... Um, Status quo as as it is now, a lot of the thought leadership is driven from the West uh, in crypto. A lot of the innovation is also driven from the West. Um, of course, we believe that you know we do that. You know, sitting in the East, um, you know, having bases in Singapore and Dubai uh, at at Persistence One, but um, I, I don't see any big catalyst, so to speak. I think there's people who the three satellite cities in asia uh singapore hong kong and dubai i think those are the those are big drivers of uh crypto in general in asia but you don't have you know big branded entities so there's a lot of grassroots stuff happening in terms of you know founders being there and fund managers Mm -hmm. and capital allocators and things like that but i don't think you know there's big brands now that may emerge that may not but i don't see like a big
0: catalyst in asia so to speak i would be interested to see if asia actually finally gets um, a bitcoin etf that would be very interesting yeah i think hong kong is pushing for one mm-hmm. all right mikhail what's your origin story into into this wonderful world of crypto we're in
2: yeah mine is actually a little bit different from the Shah's. not not very similar actually i was, I was in college and university studying engineering I wasn't a big fan of it, to be honest. Uh, was, was also a big fan of like <coughs> building products, thinking about products, uh, and just played sports throughout my my university, like you know, four years of university. So like I was just looking at what to do after university, and I didn't want to go into any nine-to-five jobs. Did not want to be a management consultant. Did not want to you know be at at a desk job writing code for a company which like wouldn't care about you know the small piece of code I write. So for me, it was about doing something exciting, and and I started looking at things outside of the traditional world, and that's how I stumbled upon crypto Ethereum. Ethereum obviously was the only big thing at the time in 2019. Uh, There was no other ecosystem that was really big, right? There were ecosystems that were about to, like there was Tezos, there was Cosmos somewhere around there, but nobody actually cared about these things. Uh, I what what I really liked about Ethereum was the fact that you could build applications on top of it. That was the whole idea. Like you know, you have an internet, on top of which you have all these things, and and similar to that, you're building something. But this is like the new era of like you know building applications on the internet. So similar to 2000s early 2000s, I was too young for that. Uh, but this was an opportunity. So I met Tushar in 2019 and. I was like, let's do this. Obviously, he was like pitching me about building in Cosmos. And I was like, okay, like <laughs> the, the Cosmos is not that exciting. But uh yeah, now that I've operated in Cosmos for about like four years, I think it's the most exciting space to build in, to be honest. Uh, what I really enjoy is, is the product-driven mindset, uh, the governance-driven mindset, how decentralized the ecosystem is. I think a lot of people don't realize how decentralized you know, the, the ecosystem that we build in is. But those are the things that I, I really love. So, yeah, for me, when I jumped into crypto, the first thing I did was did a lot of research, uh, just looked at everything that I could look at. And yeah, until 2020, I wasn't doing much, to be honest. Uh, Shah might have just uh, kicked me out of the organization, uh, but but thankfully he did not. And you know, it turned out good. Uh, yeah, after that, I focused a lot on product building and, and figuring out what what we need to build. And yeah, I've always been a product first guy. I've spent most of my time looking at products, but uh, I also think from a business perspective. So thinking about how how these products can actually succeed. uh, That's what I do at Persistence as well. Uh, Yeah.
0: I'm going to agree with you on both counts. You said that Cosmos was one of the most boring ecosystems in the world, but it's also one of the most fascinating and is one of the most fun. Um, when I got into crypto, I was a massive polka dot on Kusama Maxi. I was like, yeah, Gavin Woods, Gavin Woods, give me a t-shirt with Gavin Woods, Gavin Woods, go for it. And I thought what they were doing with interoperability was, it was, it was just, it was game changing back then. And I saw what Cosmos was doing. So I I didn't flip to being a Cosmos Maxi, but then I did flip to like, you know, play around on, on Osmosis. You know, I bought some like Chihuahua, but I got wrecked on Chihuahua. I should have just held it all the way through the last three years. And I might have broken evening quite well, but I didn't. So, you know, because I'm a, I'm a Jeep, but it's fine. Um, and I, I kind of feel back then, like maybe like three going on four years ago, like Polka dot and Cosmos, they had the right idea, but they were just too early. You obviously like factory and airdrop season for Cosmos that obviously showed it up during the bull run. obviously come back down because they're like, oh, it's only airdrops there. And now you, like teams like yourselves and some other ones have actually been building through that bear market where like Atom and Osmos and uh, everything was just dead and in the gutter. I mean, you can, you've probably seen we're now rallying up like this. Oh, cosmos oh it's that airdrop chain and i think the whole app chain thesis over the next two three four five years may really come out to play and showcase the original vision that they had uh when they first when it when it first started to crop around so someone i'd I'd definitely like to get into um with you a little bit later but before you get into like the question of like you know what persistent one is what your ecosystem is i've read through your documents i've read through your um a lot of your Twitter and obviously some of the notes you sent a little bit earlier. And I have to ask, everything in there is screaming airdrop. Airdrop, airdrop, airdrop. I see it written. Then there must be like hidden little words. Are you gonna somehow in fact factor in airdrops from other tokens, from other ecosystems? Is this something that we can expect um within the persistence one chain? Um sorry. <laughs>
1: I think um, you know. Um, I I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I don't think that's something that um, you know we're we're actively looking. Yes at or no? In, I think um, you know. I I'm, I'm the politician between the two of us, and and, and so you know, there, there's there are no direct answers. Um, but I, I think what I will say is that um, from a high level perspective. You know, today there's a lot of chains in Cosmos, especially that go live um, using some form of an airdrop, um, whether that's a stake drop, whether, you know, there's there's multiple um, variations and, and versions of it. Um, what I do want to highlight is that when Persistence launched, just before, you know, Persistence or, you know, XPRT, which is the native token um, of the Persistence One chain, Um, We launched through what is called a stake drop um, as well, where stakers of certain assets uh, like Atom, um, like Kava, which was the other big Cosmos chain that was live um, at the time, um, would receive a very targeted airdrop um, if they did certain actions. Um, Today, um, this was in Q4 2020. uh, it's very widely understood and acknowledged that that is a good way to launch. Um, but what we like to believe is that, um, you know, we pioneered at least some aspects of that launch and it was a very successful launch, which actually, uh, you know, Mikhail uh, was the one that was spearheading that project. Uh, we had, um, more than a billion dollars worth of state assets, that were participating in this stake drop campaign and that actually led to us going down the liquid staking path as well because it gave us an insight into the amount of demand that there is in terms of users wanting to generate additional yields from assets that are already staked um and that's what we're seeing with you know tia for example where you know uh, the TR stakers are super happy uh, you know, a couple of other projects, um, the stakers are super happy, um, you know, because they're you know, being able to, you know, get access, uh, I, you know, I think it's a win-win kind of situation. So, uh, of course, win-win-win, I would say. Um, so the project, you know, that, you know, is the project for which, you know, the airdrop is happening, gets a wide distribution. A project like you know Celestia would benefit because you know people want to you know get Celestia and stake it, and of course the end user wins because you know they're getting you know access to new tokens. So I would say it's it's you know you know it sounds super simple and and straightforward, but if you take a step back, I think it's you know pretty interesting and innovative, and you know the people who sat down and thought through the processes and 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 made it happen, and we like to believe that you know we were. You know one of those people and we've inspired a you know a whole bunch of people through 2021 um to go down that path and of course the modes of those stake drops and lock drops and um you know uh, other mechanisms have evolved you know from there so i think that's what i would say um which is i know not answering your question um but i think that's the point that i wanted to highlight
0: Okay, I am gonna I'm gonna read uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read between the lines like not yet. Um I mean moving swiftly on there, ladies and gentlemen, moving swiftly on. Uh, give us um, say if you give us the the high level of what persistence is. Cause I know it's more than just uh token, it's you guys are creating an ecosystem. What actually is it?
1: Um so very very simply put, um uh... Like you said, persistence one is an app. It's a Cosmos app chain. Um, it is a Cosmos app chain that is uh, focused on uh, on liquid staking. So you know, high level speaking, um, you know, to kind of summarize in a sentence, we're a purpose-built layer one, uh, which is on a mission to maximize liquid staking yield. So there's a bunch of general-purpose layer ones a bunch of general purpose l2s that want all kinds of applications on top of them they want defi applications and nft applications and gaming applications um what's different about persistence one is that we're purpose built for liquid staking and that's the beauty of application specific blockchains where you can tweak the parameters of the chain to support the use case that you want to build for which is liquid staking for us um and as part of the ecosystem there's two key applications on top of persistence one is called pstake which is focused on asset issuance of liquid staked assets and dexter which is focused on building liquidity it's dex that's focused on building liquidity for those liquid staked assets so uh, you know that's a very small summary
0: of what
1: the persistence one ecosystem looks like
0: Okay, and as you've already got like two main, you know, uh, projects built on it, um, is there okay, how do I phrase that? To to what scope and level are there other potential applications in development uh for your ecosystem? And if so, what kind of like routes are you gonna go down?
1: Yeah, so high level what I mean we're uh, you know, I'm very passionate about finance. Um And, uh, you know, Mikhil is very passionate about DeFi finance and product uh, as well as he kind of highlighted um, earlier in the conversation. Um, What we want is a suite of financial applications on that support liquid staked assets. So what our belief is that uh, for most proof of stake assets, which is basically the Cosmos ecosystem, because, you know, every asset is a chain or most assets are chains as well. uh, what we believe is that they're going to exist in their liquid state uh, form because it's just more capital efficient to do that. Uh, so people want to stake, but they also want to participate in DeFi, and that's what um, you know uh, we enable. Um, once you have a liquid state asset, um, what you want to do with it is you know provide LP into a Dex. You want to put it as collateral and borrow against it um you might you know you might want to you know build even deeper liquidity by you know having uh liquidity for that asset on a pubs exchange um you might want to sell some covered calls on it and you know have it on an options exchange so um high level speaking from our perspective a spot dex a pubs dex uh a borrowing lending platform And over a longer period, once there's enough liquidity and options exchange or an options platform, I think those are the, um, you know, we want to kind of stop um, at that because those cover pretty much all of the financial use cases. Of course, there's other things like asset management and vaults and things like that. So um, that I would say would be the universe of what we would want um, on our chain. Currently, we have the asset issuance itself happening in a secure manner and we have spot liquidity um you know over the course of the next you know few months and quarters we'll get more applications on top of the chain uh, and create more use cases for the liquid state assets
0: and what freedom and what freedom has uh creating your own uh, app chain actually given you
1: mikhail you want to take that one yeah i can take this
2: i mean so if you think about it uh, i think if you So a cosmos chain, right? It's it's a it's a very widely used term now. It's an app chain, but what does it include, right? I think the most important thing to understand is you control the entire stack. It's like from the lower level of the stack to the top of the stack, which is the virtual machine or or where you actually build applications, you control all of it. So Cosmos has this comet BFT, which is the consensus protocol itself. So you basically run the same consensus protocol across all cosmos chains, whether it's Pera Chain or whether it's you know, uh, like Persistence or Osmosis, all of them use Common BFT, same as the Cosmos Hub itself. And then there's the Cosmos SDK, which is a bunch of modules. Uh, it's a blockchain building framework where you can you have a bunch of modules that you can use and plug and play. It's kind of a plug and play model, right? You have these, this module for staking. You just use the, the standard staking module you have a module for transactions so called the bank module so you have that module you can plug and play with that module. so what the cosmos sdk allows you to do is to actually use these standard modules but on top of that you can build your own modules now that's where things get exciting like i think what dydx for example is doing you can't actually do that on any other chain which is uh like dydx does something very interesting they do social slashing now uh where you know they can just slash a validator based on like you know, looking at, it's not even slashing on chain, but they look at a validator's actions. And if they feel that this validator is is misbehaving or proposing blocks in a malicious way, they can slash that validator. That's not possible on Ethereum, that's social slashing. There is no concept of that, but you can actually achieve that on, on a Cosmos chain. So for us, the idea of having an app chain, it gives us something very unique. It gives us the ability to do things that you cannot do as just an application. If we were to build like a liquid staking protocol on Ethereum, all we can control is what exists in the virtual machine environment, which is to, like, okay, change how the code works. But here you can actually change how the chain works. Like, if you want, for example, you know, if, uh, uh, something that we really want to build is more on the security side, right? Uh, if let's say what happened with Anchor Protocol in 2022 or 2023, which was they had a big hack uh, where you know the exchange rate for redemption of the Liquid Stake tokens just got messed up somebody minted a lot more liquid stake tokens than what existed in the protocol you know, as, as BNB. Now, this is a very simple example of a hack on, on a liquid staking protocol. That's what how any liquid staking protocol would get hacked. But for us, what you can actually build is you can have these co- things called invariants, which you can introduce on the chain. And if all of a sudden new liquid stake tokens are minted, the, pro- the, the chain would just halt, for example. So you can literally like create situations where there is no hack you can actually, you control everything, right? the valuators control the entire stack. So that's the beauty about app chains. Uh, it's basically, you can define how transactions flow, what kind of applications exist, and how these applications interact with each other also. Like, for example, on Ethereum, you have Alchemix doing self repaying loans. I don't know if Alchemix still exists, but I was very fascinated by the product when it launched and you know, it was doing self repaying loans. Very interesting idea, uh, but that cannot interact directly with like a liquid staking protocol. It still exists in, in, in a silo here. You can literally like make all the applications exist and, and you know, in, together with a very tight knit integration where everything happens in one transaction, for example, uh, that's how you bundle transactions up. So I think that's what a napchain allows. That's what fascinates me a lot about cosmos is the unique nature of like having the ability to like customize every single thing you want to customize.
0: So essentially like, what you're trying to build, create and allow to happen with this app chain and the whole app chain thesis is you want to be almost like the the liquid staking uh chain within the cosmos, right?
2: Exactly. That's so do everything that you can do for a liquid stake token, whatever that can do. You want to have it all on one chain and you want to have integrations that allow the user to like move through these applications in a very seamless way without having to worry about okay, transferring the token from here to there. Then thinking how to use that product, none of that. You can literally just integrate all these apps. We can talk about how we've done some of this already and what we are doing uh, as well
0: as we proceed. But yeah, that's the idea. All right. I'd say, I'd say carry on with that. Cause you're on you're a role with that. And I'd love to know how the integration uh, I wish i had a, I wish I had a picture, or like, or if you had like a little whiteboard, you could do like some squiggles just to show how the flywheel works. But I'd love to hear. Yeah, so as an example, right? Uh uh,
2: what we have on the chain right now is P Stake, which is the liquid staking issuance module that allows us to issue liquid stake tokens like STK Atom, STK Osmo. We're we gonna issue STK DYDX very soon, and we can talk about that. But with STK DYDX, for example, now everyone in the world knows DYDX chain has no inflation. The, you just take DYDX and you earn like real USDC rewards. That's fascinating, right? You can earn like rewards in the form of USDC by staking DYDX. But for liquid staking, it doesn't help because as a liquid staking protocol, how would you distribute USDC rewards to people holding your the liquid stake DYDX token? It's very complex to do that because the STK DYDX, which is the liquid stake representative for DYDX, it may be sitting on osmosis or it may be sitting on like Pendle in the Ethereum ecosystem. You can't actually distribute the real USDC to people then. So what you need to do is you need to create a flywheel, which is somewhere somewhat like, you know, uh, where the USDC that is generated, you swap that out for DYDX tokens again, and then you put that back into Pstake and auto compound it. So the Pstake protocol, uh, which is built on top of the persistence chain is actually doing the auto compounding for the user itself directly. But how does this happen? This happens because Pstake is integrated very closely with Dexter on the persistence chain. Now, whatever USDC rewards are generated, they go on to Dexter, get swapped into DYDX token itself, and get liquid stake back with P stake again. Now that's the that's you know, that's kind of how a very deep knit integration with an app within an app chain looks like. A- another example would be right now, if you want to issue like STK Atom or any liquid stake token, for example, STK ST or, or RETH or whatever, the only way to do that is to go to the protocol, deposit ETH to get that, or Atom or whatever the native token is. Or the alternative is you go on a DEX and you buy it. But what if you don't have to do that? What if you know you could just use a stable coin to mint that directly? Now that's possible because P stake and Dexter exist on the same chain. What we do is you can deposit USDC or USDT that gets swapped into atom on Dexter in the background. The atom then gets liquid staked. If you know, the, the exchange rate is better on, on Dexter, for example, if you can get more atom for that USDC, you'll get more SDK atom. So there's benefit in, in you know, you're just doing one transaction. You have USDC. You click on liquid stake. You get everything, but everything happened in the background on on the same chain. Uh, yeah. This is something they're working on. So that's the beauty of like an app chain. It's, it's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean to expand on that, there's you know, for example, the superfluid LP use case, uh, where you know, uh, you know, to simplify that, you know, what does it mean? Let's say you buy XPRT and you have XPRT. Now, what's the universe of things that you can do? Um you know uh well today you can stake it um and or you could you know supply liquidity to an XPRT pool, whether that's an XPRT Osmo pool on Osmosis, whether that's you know the XPRT you know USDP pool on Dexter um or the XPRT Atom pool on Dexter. Um what we want to do is we'll be launching liquid staking for XPRT and hence you know the STK XPRT. Um, which is the liquid stake version of XPRT is going to come into existence. Um, you know, what we'll give users the option to do is one click, you know, go from XPRT um into STK XPRT, uh, you know, uh swap it for you know uh, 50% of XPRT, 50% of STK XPRT, and stake that LP token uh, into Dexter um in, in one click. And so what you're basically benefiting from as an end user is multi-pronged. You're getting the staking rewards because you're holding on to SDK XP RP. Um, and you're getting, you know, because you're LPing, you're getting the LP rewards from Dexter, um, you know, all in one click. Of course, that depends on the risk appetite of the end user and what the end user wants to do. Um, of course, you know, down the road, you know, you could have, you know, wanting to borrow against um your lp position uh, and you know borrow usdc by putting your lp position in dexter as collateral so you know essentially you know those are the things that um we want to enable and, and facilitate um and and you know and that's going to happen over a period of time but you know and this is something that you know is not too far off i think you know this feature is going to go live in feb uh, i think it's just getting audited right now it's already been built out but these are the kind of features that, you know, we find super exciting. You know, I think I've mentioned that we're super passionate about DeFi and finance in general, so I think this is, um, you know, this is kind of a glimpse of what that looks like. And and I think that's the, you know, to kind of digress a little bit, I think that's the big difference, uh, you know, this is uh, essentially my, you could call it my third cycle in, in crypto. So I've been through the you know, the up cycle in 2017, the down cycle, 2018, 19, the up cycle in 2020, 2021, you know, again, the bear market of 22, 23, and then kind of, you know, things picking up again. Uh, and, and so I've had the good, and, you know, like I mentioned, I've had the good fortune of being on multiple um, sides of the industry on the, you know, on the media side, on the fund management side and builder side. Um, I think the biggest difference in 2024 Versus 2017 and you know 2021, is you have people like us uh, who've you know been through these cycles and understand these little nuances um, and have the capability to build out um, you know um, you know these features uh, over a period of time. You know we have the ability to um, you know recruit the right people to motivate the right people to. Ensure that we launch this in a secure manner, and we get users for it as well. Um, of course, you know if you look at high-level finance as a whole, um, there's a lot of financial products that are very esoteric and are only used by you know a few people, uh, you know around the world. Um, you know, of course, there's you know products like payments and things like loans, which you know um, the masses use. But a lot of the financial products are actually used by you know, very few people, um, and a lot of them are institutional folks. So I think some of the products that we're building they look like B2C products, and we have of course retail folks using them. Um, but a lot of these products are also used by you know people who are, you know, who kind of look like hardcore, um, you know, uh, institutional folks. So you know, for us it's a nice blend, and and we've built those capabilities. Over a period of time, and built the understanding and the research capabilities and product delivery capabilities over a period of time, to execute something like this, uh, you know, which is you know super interesting and exciting
0: for us. Yes, yeah, so and I'd be interested to know. Then, obviously, you're focusing quite heavily on the liquid uh, staking inside of it. Are you going to be incorporating? And I think we all know this is going to be a big narrative this year uh, with Eigen. Are you going to be incorporating or building your form or your version of uh, restaking or liquid restaking at all?
2: We won't be building that ourselves, but if somebody looks to build something like that in Cosmos, we'll be very excited about it. I think what's a very interesting thing that's happening in Cosmos right now is is a lot about shared security. Uh, It's about I think you saw a recent announcement about Eigenlayer also coming to Cosmos. Uh, What that means is essentially using restaked ETH to secure like Cosmos chains. Uh, I think that's the most exciting use case for restaking in this moment when it comes to Cosmos. Uh, And for us, it's also very exciting because as an app chain, you want to have as much security as possible. What is security in this sense? It's economic security, right? You want to like, and it's a, it's kind of a chicken and egg problem also which is like if you have a lot of traction on your chain all of a sudden the market cap is higher which means the you know the the cost to attack the chain is higher uh but in the absence of that if you still want to have a highly secure economically secure chain what you can do is you can rent out or, or borrow security from some other chain uh, cosmos hub has this thing called interchain security which it built out and uh, that was i think one of the most exciting use cases of like IBC, also, uh, which is inter blockchain communication, which is the trustless bridging communication protocol in, in Cosmos, right? Uh, it's one of the most exciting things in all of crypto today, by the way. I think it's the most underrated piece of, of tech that I've seen uh, in crypto. And it's also the most genius because they thought about like building this back when bridges would, did not even get hacked, right? Like in 2019, 20, nobody cared about bridges getting hacked, nobody thought it was possible. Uh, and somebody thought, okay, we should build like a trustless bridging solution because it's possible that bridges are going to get hacked. But anyway, not to go on on that side. Uh, so this interchain security thing, uh, something similar to that came out with, with BTC security recently, where Babylon is, is building this thing called uh, Bitcoin security. So you can use Bitcoin, uh, you can lock it up on the Bitcoin network to secure Cosmos chains uh, in an economic way. but. I think what is even more exciting and takes it to the next level is using restaked ETH from eigenlayer to secure Cosmos chains. And we are looking into all of this, actually, we are looking at how to boost the economic security of the persistence one chain, uh, because as the chain gets mature and has more applications, more traction, more users, you want you know the chain to be very hard to attack and, and exploit uh, from an economical standpoint. And, that's the most exciting use case for like restaking within within cosmos at at the moment i think
0: now it's very interesting uh you say that because i was watching um oh what's his name it's um he runs the state cito validate like crypto cito crypto cheeto he's that he's that really big uh cosmos um like youtube uh, influencer i was watching one of his videos the other day and i think you've actually just partnered with him so forgive me that i've I just I just know because I'm I'm using his validators to stake some stuff. I know it's stakes E He's the he's the Cosmos guy. Um I actually massive shout out to him. Really like his really like his like videos and whatnot. Um what's the guy there? Oh yeah. So I was watching one of his videos and he was talking about Eigenlayer coming to Cosmos. So what do you mean he's coming to Cosmos? Don't be so daft. It's Ethereum, right? Obviously looked into it, looked into the blog that he was um referring to on Iconics they'd actually released it with a couple of like really early little like nuances in there about different projects that are gonna be uh gonna be there. Obviously, I won't name names for now because I feel like it's pre-early, but I think they could do very well. Uh, are you guys like talking to them to help bring that state, uh, that restate them over to secure the position one network or have you, you got you in touch
2: we haven't actively spoken to them yet. What we are explo- so we've been speaking to the Babylon team uh, to look at Bitcoin security. I think that's a very exciting one as well because right now Bitcoin doesn't have a lot of use cases. If you really think about it, right? Uh, I mean, no, the, dude, the value B- problem- B-
0: Bitcoin, Bitcoin's use case. Bitcoin's use case is for like ordinals <laughs> transaction. For like some <laughs> poor fellow, right? He wanted to move to Bitcoin, right? And he spent 4.7 Bitcoin to move it. I was like, what are you talking about? And you've got places like El Salvador, right? That are like, they want to be the home of Bitcoin. I'm like, no, you want Arbitrum or Cosmos or like Say or something over there. Because the transaction fee on Arbitrum or even Avalanche is like, it's peanuts. The guy yeah. paid 4.7 <laughs> Bitcoin to transfer between two wallets. Somebody send I- help. So that's Bitcoin's use case plus an ETF. And how, I, I think, and uh, about
1: Bitcoin. I, I, I think um, you know, you guys uh, might get all of us into trouble here by, you know, saying, um, you know, uh, talking about the high fees on Bitcoin or Bitcoin not having use cases. I'm a bit of a closet uh, Bitcoin maxi um, myself. And I mean, what I mean, what I think to clarify what Mikhail was saying is that. Um, if you think about Bitcoin from the context of fixed income or you know staking rewards, um, Bitcoin does not have any inherent yield built into it. Of course, you can create financial products around it, and you know especially now with the launch of ETF and things like that, you know you can lend out the ETF and and you know you can earn some you know rewards or like fixed income yield um, on it. Um, but um you can of course sell covered calls on BTC and, and things like that, but it doesn't have any yield built into it inherently, uh, which is kind of on a macro level, similar to gold. Um, but gold does not have any inherent you know yield built into it, you know, unlike uh you know a stock or real estate, which has some inherent fixed income yield built into it. Um what Mikhil was alluding to is you know figuring out how do we build, um, you know, if we look at category winners, right, you know, similar to like, you know, let's say Facebook being a category winner in social media, you know, Google being a category winner in the search domain, BTC is the category winner within proof of work, um, consensus mechanism and the store of value um, use case, Um, you know, that is, you know, pretty clear today. I but I think what BTC could benefit from is having some inherent yield built in, built into it. And and that's where I think uh you know what Babylon is doing and, and you know what we're excited about doing for Persistence One with them um is seeing while having proof of work consensus and while you know keeping BTC as a store of value, how do we use that BTC to create additional rewards? From a proof of stake chain, so how do you you know stake your BBC in a way, um, and you know you still have you know access to it and hold on to it and, and stuff like that, um, but also get you know rewarded in let's say XPRT token, uh, because if that BBC is being used to secure the persistence one chain, so the you know having POW consensus with the rewards of POS, uh, how to create that hybrid. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, that becomes, you know, super interesting, I would say more interesting than ETH, you know, ETH, you already have kind of, you know, a yield built into ETH now, uh, with, you know, Ethereum, you know, migrating to POS, Um, but for BBC, it becomes, you know, quite exciting. And so that's something, it's, of course, a research area, uh, you know, within the, within persistence uh, at the moment. And there's still quite a bit of work to be done and lot, lots of questions to be answered, but that's something that, you know, we're quite excited about uh, in terms of figuring out. Um, so PTC, you know, to clarify, PTC has, uh, you know, um, a very strong use case, which is the, you know, store of value use case, and, you know, the POW consensus mechanism that has been running in a very solid manner uh, for a decade and a half plus. Um, but we're trying to figure out how do we generate additional yields using that. that uh, this
2: video. is the being a
0: politician again. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, and and truth be told, I am actually a massive Bitcoin maxi Bitcoin bull. Why? Because whenever Bitcoin moves, the rest of my bags move. Whether it's up, whether it's down, with it's crabbing, like he has. So the king has. So the king still has control over everything that's going on. So that's why I am a forever always, ladies and gentlemen. Will be an underlying Bitcoin Maxi like Jedi because he's the one that preached it to me and told me all the all the good things about what Mr. Satoshi has uh has done for our industry. Um, I guess like what what, what would be the the very short version um of what you're trying to accomplish with Babylon? Then,
1: uh, you know, like I said, you can you know stake BTC and on uh, XPRT as staking rewards. That's the Shortest summary uh, of what we're trying to do with them.
0: That's, I tell you what, that right there, that right there is going to be a great little caption for the timestamps. That's why, that's that's why, that's why, that's why I just pulled pulled that one out of you. I, I love that one. Thank you so much. Um, so Good. we know we know twenty twenty four is going to be a, a massive year. Uh, or at least at least I hope it is. After last year's bear market that was up only, um, you know, finished off quite well. What's what are your what are your two sorry two what are your top three big plans for this coming year
1: Michael you want to take that or do you want me to take it
2: or you take it take it
1: uh, so I would say you know we've done a I was I mean if I have to evaluate what we've done I think we've done a good job in terms of building our team and building products and you know getting those products to be out um i think one of the the number one priority for us is to be more visible uh and get the word out you know hence this podcast as well so i think the, the you know the number one thing is um you know really focusing on you know building our brand i think in 2022 and 2023 uh we were building the foundations um of the company um 2024 is making sure we get visibility for the foundations that we've built and the products that we've built. Uh, from my perspective, that's the number one thing. Um, as a subsection of that, number two is you know getting traction um, using that um, you know that that visibility. Uh, so more users, more holders, more uh, stakers, more LPers. Um, you know more volume you know more ibc volume more you know all, all the good stuff um and number three is keep consolidating our position on the product and the team side so you know no rocket science it's you know consolidating our position while getting more visibility uh, and and more traction and uh, getting recognized for the work um that we've done um and you know so you know, that's basically talking about, you know, what our plans for 2024 are. But I think on a on a separate on a kind of tangential note, um, what happens in crypto is that, you know, uh, people jump from like the new shiny thing to the newer shiny thing to the newer shiny thing Um, on a long enough time horizon. uh, What my fundamental belief uh, is that you know and i've been a fund manager before who would i want to back i want to back battle tested founders who you know seen good times and bad times and who you know um persisted through those good and bad times and you know continued to build and innovate and learn from their mistakes and you know have better capabilities to you know, capture opportunities and and things like that. So, you know, our fundamental belief is that you know it's it's kind of like sports, and you know I I you know listen to you know a lot of you know sports people talking. And what you know sports people you know they have their moment to shine. You know they have their you know their moments where they they kind of get that outsized attention. I think that's kind of how we think about. You know building in this industry as well so you build 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 and then you have your moment of you know attention or you know as the football fans would call it you know the, your, your moment of glory uh, but you need to be ready then because if you don't have foundations in that moment uh, you know you'll crash and burn and we've kind of seen that happen with multiple projects in the past Right where, you know, a project like Terra, you know, had, you know, huge attention kind of, you know, crashed you, of course you, you know, have resurrections as well, like, you know, was the case or is the case with Solana. But from our perspective, similar to a sports team, we're kind of building, 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 and that's not visible externally, but you have that kind of moment of everything kind of coming together and you getting that visibility. Uh, but then, in that moment, you have to be ready. You need to have your, you know, cybersecurity practices in place. You need to, you know, have good wallet management practices in place. You need to have, um, you know, a solid team behind you. You need to be able to have good, quote unquote, customer service to service the huge influx of users that you may get, you know, at that point. So, and and that's kind of our biggest goal for this year: to have that that moment where, you know, you have a lot of attention and and focus um on you and and what you're building. So that's how I would summarize and that's how we kind of you know work and think about the industry as well.
0: I love it. You're essentially like basically you're preparing for the bull run and when the narrative switches straight back to restaking and LST fire. Because we saw what happened um during the uh the or last year's LST fire run. Everything ran consolidated now and I think you guys now from what you're saying, you are positioning yourselves absolutely perfectly. Um, to wrap it up, I always like to just do a few quick fire questions. We'll just go back and forth. Um, I'll ask each of you uh, a different one. Don't worry; these are just fun little stupid questions um, that are just fun. Um, so, Tashar, what's your favourite thing about crypto? The people. Uh, Mikhil, what's the most confusing thing about crypto? Parallel <laughs> VMs. Okay, I'll take I that one. Uh, Desha, what's your favorite game?
1: A sport, a tennis, if that's what you mean.
0: Uh I, can't, uh, I meant like video game, but if you want to do, I don't play game, video games, man. Only only real life games. Uh, I like it. Okay. Uh, Mikhil, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? I'm managing a football club.
2: Nice, which one? Hopefully, Manchester United in a few years
0: uh,
1: to, to get them back to
0: the top. Well, we hopefully, you'll see glory this year. Hopefully, you see glory. Uh, tisha what's the rarest thing you own?
1: I would say, uh, you know, peace of mind and health. I think that's, you know, for someone who's been in the industry for seven years and, uh, you know, I would say... You know, I can't say that many people would be at their peak fitness levels. Um, I think I think that is super rare in this industry.
0: Wow. Seven years, you don't have a gray hair yet. That's impressive. Obviously doing something something very right. Okay, gentlemen, this one is for both of you, okay? And it's a simple yes or no. Pineapples on pizza, yes or no. Tashar, go first. No. No. Mikhail? Ah, oh, gentlemen, <laughs> you've just gone up in my books massively <laughs> guys thank you so much for coming on the podcast um it was great to great to chat learn a lot about what you guys are building and very very excited to to you know run along this journey with you um to close off where can everybody find you
1: twitter is the best place uh, i'm at the rate the sharp 307
2: i'm my last name and first name so pandemical and we are persistence one it's a very simple one at the rate persistence one yeah
0: Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning. I will leave all of the links somewhere down in the description below. That is uh, Dan Blockmates uh, signing out. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan.